G'day and welcome. We're uh, doing another Radio Armour podcast and we've got some special guests with us today. Uh, PTF, Paramarine Task Force. How are you guys doing? Good, happy to be here. Oh, doing great. Awesome. And Cyrus as well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, that's quite alright. Um, glad that you can come on board and, and hopefully we can see you more often throughout the, the interviews. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. I'd, I'd love to chat some armor. It's good to talk, uh, shoot some shit sometimes. Absolutely. Awesome. Oh, um, we know a bit of Cyrus's background, um, but if we get into... Uh, how, do, how do you want us to address you guys? Do you guys want to just um, introduce yourselves um, and, then, and then maybe let us know how you guys got into armor? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, Hawkins, Matt Hawkins. Um, Got into Arma back in the Arma 2 Operation Arrowhead days. Uh, started with a little bit of Milsim, kind of dabbled, uh, tried out a couple of the life servers very quickly. Found that was not for me, so stuck <laughs> to the uh, you know the Milsim side of things. Uh, did a lot of uh, Daisy, but nothing too serious up until Arma 3 came around. And once Arma 3 came around, I spent a lot more time in Eunice. Uh, did quite a bit of scripting, and uh, 2016 uh, started the Paramount Task Force. And I've uh, been rocking and rolling since then. And uh, I'm Jurger. I'm uh, with the unit as the dedicated Zeus and mission maker. And uh, I came into Arma about two years ago, but I'd actually been following the series since about 2012. Um, I'd just come off of active duty and went uh, over to the private sector for a while. Uh, and was working in IT at the time and kind of went through the, the phase of getting to listen to things while doing programming work or coding work um, and actually kind of just stumbled onto the uh, Devil Dog Arma content that was pretty prevalent at the time. Um, and it was a little bit kind of cathartic coming out of the, the active duty world and being in the civilian world and getting to, to listen to all that stuff. Uh, and so I, you know, having listened to it a little bit, tried to play Arma 2, I believe at the time, uh, on my com- complete potato of a desktop and uh, pretty much melted down the entire system. Um, and so I really didn't get to, to play it personally until about 2017. Um was extremely excited to, to come into the game at that time. Went pretty much straight into the PTF after clearing through the campaign and uh, have been going to operations and participating in, uh, in this stuff every single week since. Nice. The 2017, that would have been post-Armor 2, wouldn't it? That would have been Armor 3 by then, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I picked up Armor 3, um, Armor 2, and then burned through kind of the, the campaigns and the expansions there, picked up Armor 3, burned through that, and then started looking for a unit immediately after. Yes, yeah, sweet. Um, cool. With, uh, with Armor 2 and your potato computer, do you remember what, what it was? Uh, the computer or, or what, what killed the system? Uh, yeah, back in the day. Um... Oh, it was this yeah. uh, HP Pavilion, like, off-the-shelf $500 oh, no. desktop. <laughs> yeah, it was... 
I was deeply optimistic going in and deeply disappointed uh, upon loading the uh, the initial demo there. Right. Uh, I was going to say, it would have had to have been an actual spud to not be able to run Armour 2. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember um, a conversation with some of the, the comrades in arms groups, and they said that uh, when they originally joined Armour 2, they like as I think um, one of them was saying him and his brother used to play on Pentium Two. Is it is that the oh. um, oh, Celeron? I think was those old ones. Yep. Um, I've, I've got I've got a beige server box under my house that's got one of those in it. Right. I I think they had about a ten laptop, years old. A laptop each, and uh, and they just they cooked it the bejesus out of it and um yeah <laughs> they still played it though they they got in and they played with, with very low frames and um they just went from there so um mm. what are you running now uh these days uh sitting on a i7 6700k uh cpu 32 gigs of ram and uh i, I have to actually go and check i am i am in spite of uh, working it for a while i am not a techie person in the slightest beyond the, the basic user stuff but you're able to get about 12 frames per second with that right you know, uh, actually, we yeah, yeah, I was gonna say at least um, we actually have a problem in which the hardware I'm running now um, is good enough that I don't notice when the server is having frames issues without a, a mod oh. to indicate the, the server problems or, or any stability issues that happen. Um, so I'm I'm actually a terrible terrible frames uh, Nazi at this point. <laughs> cool. So, um, like when you're when you're Zeusing, it's obviously not too much of an issue for you. But do you ever like run into problems when you're um, when you're Zeusing, where if you, your machine's running better than the server, you start killing stuff for everyone else? No, it's actually really well optimized, and Hawkins here is uh, as as we might assume much stronger in the tech side than I am. Um, but no, the the good news is that the the server tends to hold its own pretty well, and so we we don't typically have any problems with individual performance compared or affecting to the server side. And yeah, sweet. And, uh, something I did want to get to eventually was: um, Do you literally have to run on the treadmill to build up enough inter uh, internet to continue playing? Is that is that a factor? <laughs> or? <laughs> uh, so I actually live in uh, a city called Longmont, uh, and it is the city that in the world has the fastest internet in the world right now, um, right. which I'm sure somebody will come and dethrone here in a little bit. But no, the, uh, the the treadmill piece is just a just a time piece. I you know, I don't get to game as much as I'd like, and I have a, a pretty busy work and personal life. So uh, you know, squeezing in a, a bit of a workout and a bit of game time together just works really nicely. Awesome. So that's, you, that's a good way the, to do it. The treadmill and what, just a standing desk? It, it's actually a, a walking desk. Uh, so it, it was built for that purpose. Okay. Okay. Fancy. Well, well that was a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Hawkins, uh, how about you? What are you gaming on these days? Uh, my system? Uh, yeah. This is kind of a... I don't know, mishmash of different pieces. I started building the PC about six years ago and uh, keep swapping out parts. So GPU side is the really nice part, uh, 1080 Ti. Um, processor and all that stuff starts to get a little older, uh, 4790K uh, from Intel, some 16 gigs of DDR3 RAM and 
you know, just not the best stuff in it. Uh, otherwise, and I, I kind of got to the point where if I want to upgrade anything else, I have to upgrade to the RAM, the CPU, and the motherboard all at the same time to keep everything in sync with each other. Yeah. Otherwise, they're not going to be compatible. So it's kind of a you know an awkward part where I don't want to drop eight hundred dollars right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing okay on frames right now. Outside That's of Arma, sweet. get great frames. CPU side. Mm. So yeah, welcome to Radio Arma, where we discuss in-depth technical setups of your PC. <laughs> um, uh, what? Um, I suppose yeah, may as well. While, while we're talking tech, then like um, you guys obviously have a fairly large group. We'll get in. We'll get into um, PTF a bit later, I guess. But like, what kind of servers do you guys run on? Do you guys host your own, or do you go through a, a company? Um, so we host our own through OVH. Uh, previously, we had played around with server-side uh, server sponsorships. Um, for about a year and a half, we had a sponsorship with Host Havoc, and that was working out pretty well. Um, but for Host Havoc, you know, uh, they just weren't able to support it long term. So uh, they gave us plenty of heads up. They said, hey, you know, at a, at a point, it's not going to be realistic for us to keep hosting, you know, these huge dedicated servers because it takes a huge amount of capacity to run our mm. servers and uh so they gave us plenty of heads up and i thank them for that and uh, got back to our own stuff um, but right now we're running on an ovh server ovh has kind of a bad rep because their support is terrible but uh, their servers are pretty decent and but that uh, we... seems to be the trade-off doesn't it I've, <laughs> I've always found that yeah so we're paying uh, i think 105 dollars a month for a pretty decent dedicated server from them um, you know, it's nothing special, but uh, it's enough to run about three servers for us and uh, run the back end of our website, TeamSpeak, all of that stuff. And oh, one okay, nice. real nice thing about OVH, um, they DDoS protect their entire uh, their entire data center. So, you know, anything right. that gets attacked at you, which unfortunately does happen a little bit in Arma, uh, that covers everything we have. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's 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 all the tech talk out of the way. We'll put a timestamp <laughs> so people can just skip all that. Yeah, I got you. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, um, P PTF. Um, what, what's this paramarine task force I've been hearing all about? Uh, so we're a Marine Corps based uh, Arma Three Milsim unit. Uh, we started back in 2016. Um, I had been through a few different units. Uh, I spent most of my time in a an old Arma Army unit. Um, called Task Force Spartan. Uh, spent uh, quite a while there and had a great time. There were some great guys. I had ended up shutting down um, while I was still in college. Uh, I think this was back in 2015 or somewhere around there. And uh, I went for a little bit not knowing what to do. And uh, eventually some friends came and they said, hey, hey, we need somebody to run a unit who can do this. And I never really stepped up. <laughs> they ended up pushing me towards it, uh, and I'm happy they did. Uh, I didn't think I had the time, and they did end up pushing me into it. And I was really surprised by how well it started off. So we started off, um, I think, September of 2016. I could have the month wrong. And started growing pretty rapidly from there, just friends of friends, not really doing any major advertising. Um, and started growing... Uh, considerably in 2017. I think 2017 was a really great year for Arma 3 Milsim. Uh, just seemed like a lot of new people. Mm. From from my perspective, a lot of new people were picking up the game. A lot of people were getting into Milsim in general. Um, you know, I think had, that's, that's, that's about yeah. when the alpha finished, wasn't it? I think the, the alpha finished a, a bit before then. 
Um, Did it? I, could I can't remember now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, in 2017, I mean, just there were hundreds of people pouring into our team speak. Uh, we had a recruitment staff of about 40 people. <laughs> they were they, you know, online 24/7, and they could not keep up with the people. And we were able to get really selective. Um, you know, it was just a really great year for Milson. Not as many people coming into Milsim in general now. Um, you're seeing a lot of the communities kind of die out. Um, so I'm happy that we're still around. Definitely not as big as we once uh, once were, uh, but we still get to be fairly selective with the type of people we take and make sure that everybody's having a fun time and bringing people who are going to improve the experience for everybody else. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there in regards to like Milsim dying out. Like I've been noticing a lot of the groups that I used to float around in, they're sort of dwindling off, especially in Australia at the moment, where a lot of our groups are definitely uh, starting to lose their their um, momentum that they had. But I'm seeing on, on YouTube, I'm seeing a lot of guys, like a lot of American units are starting to get Australian guys in and New Zealand guys. Do you, Are you seeing a bit of that coming in? Uh, once in a while, we get some Australian guys. Uh, typically, the Australian guys don't last too long. Um, they join up because they say, oh, this looks amazing. I think I can make the times work. Mm. Um, often, the Australian guys, the, the time just doesn't work in the end. Uh, we meet up at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturdays and Sundays. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure be, what that converts to. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd, so that'd be Sunday, Monday at about nine in the morning i think <laughs> yeah so it's a great time for everybody in europe and everybody in the u.s not so great for uh, people in australia and unfortunately we just kind of have to we have to set a time somehow somebody's going to be asleep during that time <laughs> exactly that's it ah cool um so obviously you're a u.s based unit by the sounds of it um i'm from the or, u.s or is that french i'm hearing in the accent <laughs> <laughs> no I, i've uh, i've gone around nearly every state in the U.S., uh, but uh, no, we're U.S. and uh, Europe, um, so while I'm from the U.S. and Jurgen Hirozus is from the U.S., uh, Major Nili, who is running our uh, MARSOC detachment, uh, he's from uh, Europe, from Germany specifically, we have quite a lot of guys from uh, Germany, uh, Sweden, the U.K., uh, all all around. Uh, okay. One guy from South Africa. So it's a pretty. There's uh, always one, isn't there? <laughs> always every one. Every unit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's pretty pretty diverse in terms of uh, which countries we're all coming from. Um, so it's nice to have. Yeah, that's and cool. We we all talk English. Speak English. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I can't speak English apparently. Um, you can talk it though. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, it's kind of cool to see a lot of the European guys come in and they don't speak fluent English uh, at the start and they end up there after three or four months and you're talking in tactical speak with the rest of the guys mm -hmm. in the unit during these operations and they start speaking fluent English. And uh, I, I think that's just one of the crazy benefits that comes out of it that uh, is really surprising to me. I definitely yeah, don't um, think I could do that the other way around. <laughs> my, <laughs> my German, a German unit. Yeah. has not improved. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the way um so like what what kind of uh games do you run do you like, run like full-on milsim like you're talking about your tactical speak and stuff do you do you try and like play it like with your chain of command and like you gotta ask permission to do things or do you guys play it a bit bit looser um yeah so we're kind of focused in the special operations area um Everything we try and do is kind of in between milsim and realism, and I know those terms have 
kind of vague, uh, but we try and do everything in a military style, uh, as realistic as we can, while also understanding that the game is indeed a game, right? So we mm-hmm. don't want to do things, and, you know, Jurger here was in the army, right? Uh, he can tell you about how many times he would get in line and stand there for hours upon hours, right? <laughs> we don't yeah. want to do that in game, right? There will be times when people get, have to get into line, but I'm not, not going to make them stand there for hours. I'm not going to make them salute anybody, things like that. So there's there's definitely a place where you have to say, okay, well this is a game, guys. You got to understand that. And I think for most people that works out. Some people want a little bit more of a realistic vibe. Some people want less. Um, so you really got to find the unit that works for you. But uh, yeah, yeah, in, in regards to our operations, yeah, it is you know uh, very tactical. Um, we have three detachments. We have our MARSOC, uh, Marine Corps Special Operations uh, Detachment. Um, they do pretty much infantry-centric uh, special operations type stuff. Uh, you know, what you would yeah. expect in ARMA. And then we also have AIR, which does all the uh, rotary helicopter assets. Um, flying Ospreys around, things like that. And then we also have Navy, uh, which is pretty cool and uh, pretty new to us as well. Um, it's only okay. been around with us for about a month. But uh, I don't know if you've seen this mod called Halfham Navy. I I have seen some of it. I've also noticed the uh, the Anzac frigate that's in the Cup mod. I've seen I've seen a few of these things floating around. So it's, uh, please continue. So Halfham, which stands for uh, the Hellenic Armed Forces mod, made the, by this this crazy genius called Apleon. Uh, he created this mod, and he actually brought uh, movable, fully functional ships into Arma. And they have everything from cruise missiles to artillery um, to torpedoes. He has fully functional submarines with sonar. And uh, I think now he's at, at like nine or ten ships. So we've added those in. And uh, although he started off going with the uh, the Greek uh, military, uh, Greek mm. naval vessels, I just put in the Arleigh Burke class destroyer. Um, you put in a U.S. submarine, so we're having a lot of fun with those. They're great <laughs> to provide artillery assets from the sea. Um, we often deploy from a carrier, so can kind of go in a fleet with those uh, the other naval assets we already have. Oh, that's awesome! So, like you said, they're fully movable. Do they yeah. do they like act like ships, or do they yeah. feel more like they're just modded boats? No, f- fully ships. No, full ships. I've never, wow. I've never expected something like that in Arma Three. I'm a software guy, yeah, me um, and I even I thought, no, the engine just says no, that's not possible. But uh, you just can kept you, like, sca- walk scaling up. Them? You can't walk around on them. Uh, uh, okay. You can sometimes land helicopters on them, but uh, it's kind of a gamble. So <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we don't land the helicopters on them yet. He said he's working on that, so I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah, that's that's cool. We should we should find this guy and I'll I'll talk to him for hours about how the hell he's done this because I it's that's something I always wanted to do back in the day when I was more heavily into my coding, but I could never find a way to get those two states of something that's movable and controllable and something that you can actually interact with to happen. Yeah, when uh, he first dropped the mod, we actually picked it up uh, just for use in uh, what we call mini ops, which is basically just anybody can grab a zoo slot on one of our servers, go in and host an operation of their choosing. It can be anything. They can be army oh, okay. for the day, they can be seals for the day, whatever. It's no, you know, we're not sticking to our current campaign. It's player-led, player-driven games. And somebody actually held a 40-person v 40-person uh, naval battle. Oh, <laughs> so awesome. I, I think they're like four-man crews, so 10 like, ships whoa. on each side. <laughs> <laughs> so fighting like, around all ships this. in armor. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Oh, that's cool. 
So, oh, so, so like 10 people on, on a ship. So there's like a captain oh, on the ship to giving orders or? Yeah, I think it was four people per ship, which is kind of what we do right now uh, okay. as well. Um, and 10 ships in a fleet. So yeah, so typically you have the, the pilot of it uh, and the the commander and then people manning the different weapons. There's a lot oh, of different awesome. positions and you know, they have uh, spots for naval invasions. There's briefing rooms, everything. Everything you want is there. It's crazy. Oh, that's amazing. That's yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look a little further into that one. I didn't know that even existed. Ah, very cool. Um, so yeah, I guess um, well, so you you mentioned you had like different sections. Um, like how how many players do you generally have in in your little uh in in your Marsoc division and your air division and stuff? You know, I think it's really cute that you like um in my little group in my little um you, you did it on your podcast as well <laughs> like our little milsom group we play little little bit of warlords well, and stuff when i say my my little milsom group I've, I've got like a handful of friends that that we occasionally pretend that we're doing milsom yep. and and be organized yeah no that's that's cool <laughs> <laughs> um and also let's just uh do a quick shout out to um, the that question as well. Uh, mm? How do you guys take realism? Um, how important is that to uh, Colonel Penny, who was on a couple of weeks ago? For yeah. that question, um, I've I've just been um, updating the questions here. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, re realism is definitely very important to us. But uh, like I said, you know. We have to find where that uh, kind of gray line is and uh, figure that out. Yep. But uh, that's something every unit has to deal with, and at a certain point, they have to uh, determine, you know, wh where do, where do we see us fitting into the armorverse? Are we the super serious unit that takes everything super seriously? Are we really lax and laid back? Or are we somewhere in between? And we're somewhere in between, I think. Yeah. No, that's cool. And and sorry, going back to um, uh, the original question. By Cyrus, um, how many yeah. people in your little Milson group? <laughs> so I think <laughs> a good operation for us right now is about fifty to sixty. Um, low is about forty. Yeah, only uh, small then. You see, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so definitely one of the bigger ones. Um, we used to be the biggest, but like I said, uh, we kind of had a, a point uh, back in I don't know, early twenty eighteen where we weren't finding many people who wanted to go into Milson. Um, but things have been on the up and up, and we've seen for the past, I've been counting, I think it was the past 14 or 15 weeks, uh, every operation has been an improvement on the last in terms of attendance. So it's, uh, I don't know if it's all of Arma or if it's just us, but uh, something definitely uh, started going back up, which is nice to see. Hmm. Awesome. Too many free weekends, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we do a lot of events uh, every single weekend. Uh, we have some people who have been here for years and have not missed a single event. Uh, it's absolutely boggling to oh, me. Yeah. I definitely don't make every event. I try to. Then we hold, uh, you know, a half dozen trainings throughout the weekdays as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, the weekday ones, we don't really expect much attendance on. If, you know, there's 10 or 20 people at each one, that's great. But, uh as a kind of go-to if you feel you need it yeah sweet awesome. actually while well while, while we're um while we're sort of talking vaguely along the lines of realism too do you guys uh 
This, this is one of those divisive questions in Armour 3. Do you guys lock it to first person or do you let people oh, use hell third yeah. person? Oh, yeah. Ah, okay. The, the AI doesn't get third person, do they? No? Uh, no. no, not really. Well, no. <laughs> they can shoot through bushes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably <laughs> that's a question the... for the Zeus. The Zeus has probably got the best idea of that, right? That's that's fair. So the you know the, really the question of realism and, and using first person only, um, Hawkins is, is hitting the nail on the head when he says that you have to kind of respect the gray area um you know any any unit that wants to claim that they're going to be a hundred percent realism you know yes sir no sir you know everybody has to salute and be super super rigid about it that's wonderful um you know, and, and everybody has their own brand of fun but if those units also want to come out and say that they're going to be uh ultra realistic then their operations should also be 12 hours long um, they should have a bunch of mods around thirst and body temperature and all of that. And their missions should consist of walking down roads for 12 hours at a time at a walking pace, sitting around for three hours waiting for EOD to show up to take out one IED, raiding houses that are completely empty and you know five miles away from an actual target. Um, you know the the realism element is is important, and you want to make sure that it feels intensely realistic from the gameplay side of the house. But at the same time, you know if you try and lock it to ultra realism, I'll, I'll tell you from a personal experience, uh, war is is pretty boring. Um, you know, 99.9% of the time. Um, so if you're if you're looking at having a realistic unit or playing realistically. That's terrific, but you know, on the same note, there, I think we all want to be in the the the, ver, you know, the war movie, the action film version of a uh, of a realistic scenario. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's yeah, I've I've heard the exact same story from a mate of mine who's in the in the Australian Army. He said like, if we, if we want to do a realistic mission, we'll march down the road for an hour, dig some trenches, wait around for an hour, fill the trenches back in, and then walk back. Oh, and that's being generous on just the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, very yes, well sir. put as well. Thanks. Um, it's it's definitely interesting to hear it from that perspective as well. Mm. I could just smell the flashbacks that Jürgen was having there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, trauma. Mm. Digging trenches. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, not to take away from your your experiences. Did you get into combat overseas? Do you mind if we get into that? Sure. Uh, y- yes. Um, combat, uh, and I'll just bring it straight back to the armor thing. Um, combat is best described as and getting beyond the walking for twelve hours, doing nothing, sort of parts of it. Um, you know, the, the biggest distinction is that even in something like Arma, you're going to have a pretty clear idea of where, where the threats are. You know, you, you can see pretty well. Your aim is tied to your to your hand. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of combat, the vast majority of combat, is some guy, you know, half a mile away shooting at you, and you're shooting back somewhere in his general direction, you think, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, and you're... you're, you're there, there's not a lot of this close quarter stuff, right? The the you know mount stuff that we do all the time in operations, the door kicking, the the city fights, the raiding. I mean that happens. That's absolutely part of part of real wars. But um, you know the the vast majority of what we do in Arma happens. You know for I think the majority of things within that 100 200 meter range with that occasional fight across the valley. Um, you know, comparatively to a real war, I mean, you're some guy who barely can see you shooting at you, and you can barely see him, and you're shooting back, and it's a it's a very different different sort of uh, environment. Right. Hmm. Cool. Well, but, yeah, yeah, very nice. Um, in terms of like 
just just so we work through these questions, I guess. Um, so Paramarine Task Force. So like, do you guys actually play as part of a quote unquote like a real unit, or is Paramarine Task Force just like a name? So this this comes up quite a bit. Um, the Paramarines uh, were a unit way back in World War II. Um, they were kind of charged with being first Marines that were really fully trained in doing parachute deployments. And they were going out and doing some island hopping in the Pacific. They didn't get into many battles. Um, it was considered a very dangerous profession. Um, there's, there's a lot of really cool but uh, kind of forgotten history about it. And when we were trying to figure out, okay, well, we want to make a unit. What do we want to make it about? We've seen a lot of people get into the problem that they kind of they choose a unit like a real unit that is currently either active or you know uh, in training uh, and they want to resemble it and they say we also want to be a realism unit so if you do that you're gonna have some guy come on TeamSpeak every single day and say hey you have this position in your unit but it's not really there in the real thing <laughs> so we didn't want to have that issue of having to resemble a, the real thing so our tactics are real uh, the uniforms are real. Everything like that is real, right? And we have the right number of slots. Uh, everything is focused on you know, following that realism. But at the end of the day, we're a paramarine task force. We're a task force of three different elements that typically you wouldn't you wouldn't always see them together in the way that uh, that they are here, right? Yeah, right. So we, we get to we get to pursue realism, but also pursue it on our own terms. Okay, cool. So, like, what kind of missions do you run then? So, I think I, you said before you ran, like, weekly missions and then your Zeus missions as well. But what, what kind of missions do you tend to run? Uh, I'll give that to the Zeus one to answer. Sure. So, any any given week, we are doing operations that might range from an amphibious assault to a halo jump, uh, fast rope insertions, uh, insertions uh, via you know, via rib, or any number of other op options. Um, sometimes they're full kinetic attack. Uh, sometimes they're raids. Sometimes they're reconnaissance. Um, we're really trying to touch on the full gamut. Um, because you know, at the end of the day, and and to the point about you know, we all kind of want to be on the the action film war film version of uh, of realism um you know the the variety is the spice of life right you know yeah. one of the benefits of being something like paramarine task force as opposed to the 75th ranger bat or 101st airborne or something is that you know we don't have to deal with the challenge of the oh such and such wouldn't do a halo jump such and such wouldn't do uh, an amphibious assault here we can do whatever we want uh. with it. so it gives it a lot of uh, a lot of flexibility to say hey Here's a here's a region of the map we're playing on right now. This would be a really great place for a halo jump. Hey, next area, there's a river in the middle of the AO. Why don't we take boats up the center and, and do a, an amphibious assault into, into these villages or whatever the case is? Okay, that's that's clever. I like that. That's that's some good uh, good choice of setting then, giving you that option. Nice, I like it. Um, so, uh, what what kind of sizes? I mean, you mentioned you've got between fifty and sixty players usually like do you guys separate out into i guess it would be regiments at that size or like how do you divide up your your forces and things into squads oh, and teams so we have detachment well we have me right I'm, I'm considered the the headquarters right i typically don't get too involved in an operation when i go into an operation uh i'll either you know, like hide and go on the ground and pretend I'm a, a 
you know, a, a private on the ground and just kind of go that way. Because um, all, all three of the detachments are kind of meant to run independently. So a lot of what I do is kind of the admin side of things. I don't have much of an operational role. Um, okay. Besides making sure the operation goes through smoothly. But we have three detachments. The uh, MARSOC detachment uh, is uh, Marine uh, Special Operations Company, so MSOC, right? Broken down Hi. into teams, they're broken down into elements. So you have all these elements running around with their element leaders, and everything works up the chain of command. So I can give, if I need to, give an order to the MSOC. The MSOC leader gives it out to one of his MSOTs, MSOT with a T, right? And then that MSOT with a T can either go as an MSOT, or they can give it to one of their individual elements. And, uh, you know, depending on the size of the order, um, that depends how, you know, how that goes. With the Navy stuff, our, our Navy is quite a bit smaller. Um, mm -hmm. Some people, you know, it's one of those things that's really, some people really want to go on a boat and they don't mind that they're going to be going in a straight line for 25 minutes <laughs> before firing at something. And, <laughs> and some people hate it. So, you know, we found the right people that are currently in it that love that sort of thing. Um, but it's definitely smaller than the guys on the ground. And then we have air, um, which is broken up. E each pilot has a co-pilot assigned to them, um, dependent on numbers. A pilot will also have a flight crew assigned to them, whether that's just a regular crew chief or a flight medic. It really depends. Um, but everything is kind of broken down so that you don't have to give an order to a bunch of people. You give it to one person, and that person makes sure that it's handled. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's yeah. That's that's pretty pretty. Sounds to me like it's pretty loose. Then how you run it, so you sort of keep the the unit sizes and who's in charge a little bit more on the fly at the night. Is that is that my is that am I no 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 we, uh, the opposite. <laughs> okay. Every everything is um the. All the unit sizes are very structured, but uh, you can break them down into smaller pieces, right? So, uh, okay. uh, yeah, so a, a, a special operations company can go down into a team. They have elements, uh, depending on how many people you need. If you just need six people for a raid, you take an element. If you need 12, you take a, uh, or 12 or 14, you need take okay. your team, right? Awesome. And so I think that's how most Milsim would do it, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. If you're that big, then then you have to break mm. it down somehow. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's definitely uh, a phrase I'll bring up if we talk about joint operations at any point. Uh, but well, that, uh, that's that's a good segue, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Do you guys work with any other units? Um, so we want to, but we also don't want to. And so that's oh, not me nice. trying to be mean. Oh, no. I want to I no. do a three-hour podcast on that phrase alone. <laughs> we we don't currently. We might in the future. Um, okay. So the the problem is exactly what you said. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians, right? So how can we justify having twice the number of people on and also twice the number of command staff on when you know when we're talking about the way that these units are structured? Uh, the command staff doesn't grow linearly with the number of people under them, right? So you don't need uh, two commanders to have two companies, right? Two companies could go under one commander and things like that. So 
we found from our experience in past units um, that when we did join operations or if we did mergers and things like that, it would just end up with conflicting um, conflicting tactics, conflicting personalities, things like that. And we never want to get to a point where we have to care about that. We're, we're a very um, laid-back unit, and I think we're kind of one of the more behind-the-scenes units that doesn't really go out. We don't try and make public figures of ourselves. Uh, too well, I say that. I'm on a podcast, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, we don't ever try and stir up. Uh, we don't try and stir the pot. So I think doing that, uh, it's like uh, America right before World War II, right? <laughs> We're trying to, trying to stay out of stuff, but uh, eventually something will happen. Okay. We've definitely looked at uh, what Flash Ranger has been talking about, the uh, PvP stuff, and uh, definitely considering sending, uh, sending an element of my guys to go oh, compete. That, that looks awesome, though, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks like a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, you have yeah, to find you... some friends. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find some friends. Um, yeah, no, that's uh, the the Neon Madness um, uh, really took off. So you guys would be interested in sending a, a group of four in, or five as a reserve as well. Yeah, well, for, for 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 our listeners, Steph, what is this thing that Flash Ranger has set up? <laughs> so Neon Madness. I'm not sure who made it. I think it was a Bohemia dev from memory, um, and then. We tried streaming it as well. Apologies to anyone who joined our stream. The the my internet is so dog uh, that um, literally we we at 480 I was streaming at um, uh, just the one of the lowest bit rates thousand a thousand whatever. Uh, it was just it struggled. So um, yeah, now streaming is is not an option for me right now. Um, yet we might record and, and try and uh, uh, do that in, in the future, just as, as commentary. So what, what, what actually what actually was it though? Was it a, 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 a PvP game mode of some kind? Yeah, TVT, so team versus team, uh, four people per team, four teams per game, uh, and then they got 16 teams, and they had the, um, it was the, the quarterfinal, semifinal, final, so they had uh, three matches running. What? I, I can't remember. They, they must have four matches running at the beginning, uh, and then they they culled, well, they got the best uh, four, and they moved on, uh, and and then again the best four and moved on. Um, so your right. team versus team. Uh, it was it was a very close knit. Um, uh, I, 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 sorry, you, you got me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good. Um, no, that's cool, cool, that's cool. So yes, you, you, um, you guys were thinking of um, sending some guys off to this sort of team v team stuff, were you? Yeah, that, and uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, PvP events. Although I definitely support Flash Rangers efforts the most. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we were kind of looking at uh, that sort of thing um, way back uh, when Friday Night Fights was happening. Uh, that kind of just, I don't know what happened to that. Just kind of stopped. <laughs> but uh, Friday Night Fights, just to refresh anybody that doesn't know what it is, was were these huge, um, huge, huge, huge team versus team events that were streamed by a YouTuber, and he would kind of go into the Zeus interface and stream them from above, just watch. And they were done in a pretty tactical way, which is the type of stuff we like. You know, we don't want it to be Call of Duty. 
which is kind of how some of these team versus team type of deals go. Mm. Uh, we definitely want to have the tactical element, and that's kind of hard to have in PvP because oftentimes people won't value their life like they would in real life. Jurger was not going to run through Iraq and run down the street shooting, uh, you know, an M240, right? <laughs> because he didn't want to get shot. But uh, in a game, somebody might do that because they know they have a chance to get four people before they do get shot, right? So we're kind of looking for events that would still have that tactical element because we also don't want our guys to get out of that mindset, uh, you know. The guys yeah, that okay. play with us are all in the tactical mindset, and if they start, uh, you know, doing PDF events that are just kind of do whatever the hell you want, yeah, uh, sweet. Can reverse everything that we've done. <laughs> well, I might, I might have a proposition after we're done done with the oh, podcast. So I don't want to, I don't want to talk hear. about it publicly, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have a chat with you afterwards about it. Yeah, happy to hear. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So, um, Flash has done some awesome stuff, and he's also. Uh, throwing out his small podcasts every Friday, which are, are just trying to bring back, I think, the PvP versus uh, TVT uh, elements. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen out for those. And, uh, you know, we'll support Flash in any way we, that we can because his enthusiasm is uh, unmatched in the armor community. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right. So do you vet? people for, for um, enrolling through? Uh, if so, how, how intensive is it? Uh, yeah, so we've had a couple things. Um, first off, we go to their age, right? Um, typically, we try and get people that are at, at a minimum age of 16. Uh, if they're 15, uh, this kind of recruiter's discretion, they kind of have to really feel it out and give it a little bit of extra time and figure out, okay, is this person fair enough? Um, I understand that kind of sucks for the people that are 15, or, and definitely sucks for the people that are younger than that, right? But uh, they kind of have to play averages at a certain point and just say, well, you know, is gonna if, if at what point do we make that cut? Some mm-hmm. units make it 17, some units make it 20, some units make it anything that you want. So, uh, like I said, we're we're a unit somewhere in the middle of uh, realism and casual. We're kind of in the middle with age range as well. Um, yeah. Definitely about the average age is about. Uh, you know, twenty twenty one. I don't know. Would you say that's accurate, Jurger? Yeah. Um. The the spread is definitely a little different country by country. The U.S. tends to be a little bit older. Uh. EU and Europe tends to be a little bit younger. Um. But I'd still say it sits within about a year of twenty to twenty one. Yeah. So our youngest guy was fifteen. Our oldest guy was sixty five or something like that. So. <laughs> uh. You know, it, it spread all the age ranges. Um. So that's that's the biggest thing. Age, which is just you know. That can strike you out right at the beginning, right? Mm. Um, and then we kind of go through, we look through Steam profile, and we say, okay, well, th- has this person been uh, vac banned lately, right? Uh, you know, have they, what sort of attitude do they have? We look through their Steam profile. There's a lot of people who will come up to recruitment with a Steam profile filled with swastikas, right? Because they <laughs> think it's funny. We don't want people with that type of humor. <laughs> so you know looking through uh, things like that and just seeing okay does this person generally look like a mature type of gamer right and uh, so we look through all of that they have about a 10 minute chat with our recruiters um, they go through a short recruitment open book quiz um, so by open book I mean we give them all the all the answers and we give them all of the questions uh, and the, the answers are just kind of you got to look for them but they are there and that kind of shows us that this person is willing to put in a modicum of, you know, five minutes of effort 
actually join and that's how we know okay <laughs> they, they're willing to spend five minutes filling out a stupid e-quiz on us so we're, we're willing to spend the next year training and playing with them um yeah, that's, that's that's a good way to do it i like yeah. that yeah some people come in and they say oh, i'm not doing that <laughs> so okay that's not a problem to us but you're not joining bye-bye um so then after that uh, we host uh, two recruit training courses each week um you only have to go to one as soon as you pass that one, you get slotted into an actual combat role within the unit. Um, nice. Some units are, or some positions are harder to get than others. Uh, but uh, generally, you'll get you'll get something that you want. It might not be your first choice, depending on uh, popular demand. Right? There's only so many marksmen. There's only so many corpsmen. Uh, there's only so many pilots. So. Only one guy can drive the ship. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, so we vet that, and then uh, we also, there's no benefit to being a service member, other than having a cool little uh, flag on you. Uh, so we do have basically a system of current service members vet other service members, so that uh, we've had a problem in the past, and I know other units have had it as well, is people pretend to be service members, um, and they come in and they'll spout out a bunch of stuff. Um, kind of a notable one we had was a guy came in and Telling everybody he was an army ranger, showing pictures of him, uh, showing pictures of his uh, medals and things like that. I think I heard and, about this one. Yeah, so uh, th this one was one that we talked about on Discord with uh, some of the BI guys just to make sure this guy wasn't doing it to other units. And uh, they're showing all these pictures, and I do, you know, you can do a Google image search for a picture. You mm -hmm. pushed it back, and I found like a Daily Mail article. Uh, this was actually an actual ranger that had been killed in combat somewhat recently, and this uh, guy was impersonating him to join oh, units and shit. get special treatment. That's not cool. So, that's exact reasons why I rely... Um, I, I work with the military, not in the military, right? So, I rely on the guys that are in the military to vet these guys for me and tell me who's real and who's not. Um, you know. Uh, but there's no real special treatment if you're a service member, but you will get the recognition, I guess. Yeah, no, that's mm. that's fair enough as well. And uh, what is it, stolen valor ship or something like that? I mean, yeah, stolen, yeah. stolen valor—that's what they call it. Stolen yeah. valor. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, the legal definition of stolen valor in the U.S. is using it to get somewhere, and these people oh, are, ju are so just. Yeah. Sorry, so, sorry. if you use it to get a free cheeseburger at McDonald's, right? <laughs> wow. Um, that's that's oh. stolen valor, but I mean, it's it to me, it's all one and the same. If you're coming in just to look cool by saying you're a veteran, mm. that, that's it's all the same to me. And that's no. actually like enshrined in law there, is it? It is, yeah. Uh, wow. because, well, in the US, I don't know about any other country, but in the US we have a lot of uh, benefits to people that are, uh, you know, in currently in the military or we're in the military. I get a free breakfast every November 11th. It's great. <laughs> nice. uh, all, all kidding aside there for a second, just for anybody who listens to this who ever considers doing it it's super obvious um it's painfully obvious and we will eat you alive uh the second we smell deceit on that front i just strongly recommend anybody who's ever thought you've given it a passing thought to let that be a passing thought and nothing more i wouldn't think so poorly of radio armor's viewers <laughs> no, <laughs> no. um now that's that's cool thanks for um getting into that as well because it could be quite a hard topic for some people to deal with um, and you guys seem to manage mm. that pretty well yeah oh well off off, off of that uh, a bit of a downer topic then um, 
got, got a couple of questions from from homesick the community manager over at oh, this and uh I'm a big fan he, yeah yeah he, he's got a couple of important questions for you so um what what's your your must-have piece of equipment that you take into every operation uh is it cheesy if i say the players <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll say that first. I mean, if we didn't have the players, we wouldn't have a unit, right? So I'll, I'll definitely just say that right off the bat. But otherwise, the rifle. <laughs> you know, I can go down the line yeah. on what's, uh, what's, what's all, all of the basic stuff. My favorite stuff right now, I've, I've got a huge interest in uh, the naval vessels. I mean, they're new to us, and they're just really cool to see. I mean, sometimes, yeah, they can get a little bit boring for me to operate. I'm definitely not one of the people who could... Um, sit on there, uh, the whole operation, and do that. So, some people love it, like I said, and some people don't. Um, but it, it's just cool to see you're standing on the on the shoreline and you need something shot at. <laughs> and, you, and you see an Arleigh Burke-class destroyer with the U.S. flag flying off uh, the stern. And it just lights it up. I mean, that is the most badass thing I've seen in Arma in a long time. Yeah, nice. Yoga, do you get into into the, the fights to bring any equipment in, or do you only Zeus? I only Zeus these days. I, I came in as a private in the unit and worked all the way through uh, team lead, squad leader, platoon sergeant, platoon commander, all, all those different roles, and then eventually uh, stepped out into the Zeusing side. When I was uh, in a leadership role, it was actually 40mm uh, smoke rounds. Um, yeah. because I spent most, most of my time in a leadership role and it's, as a leader, as a team leader, as a platoon commander, any of those, it's not your job to shoot people unless you absolutely have to. It's your job to get your guys to shoot at people for you. Um, so really, any any tools available to point your guys in the right direction is, to me, absolutely the most critical thing. Yeah, nice. Uh, I can definitely relate. Playing on uh, public servers, playing like domination and things, I've always found that if you've got a big clump of people and they're just sitting there shooting from way out of effective range. You just pop a green smoke and say, follow the smoke. And then suddenly everyone knows exactly what to do. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's terms for that sort of, uh, cluster, <laughs> but, uh, I don't want to foul up your podcast with that sort of language. <laughs> <laughs> f- f- Fuster clock. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, Good way. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, he uh, Homesick had a, had a second question. This one's a super serious, vitally important question. Um, uh, are, you, are you guys on Team Crocodiles or Team Panda in in oh in the war? So so the, yeah, the question really is: if you had to join a side in a war between Crocodiles and Panda, which side would you join and why? So I know Homesick's on the Panda side, right? And now I've got to ask, does he have the ability to blacklist our server from the <laughs> launching? So, let... Well, it depends. Is you <laughs> on the side or just you? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I'd have to go the Panda side. Crocodiles are only worth here. hunting. I'm on the opposite here. It's, they're, they're amphibious. They've survived since uh, you know since the time of the dinosaurs in some way, shape, or form, and they'll have sex to actually you know maintain their species. <laughs> Learn something new every day. <laughs> Homesick. If you need this man discharged to keep my unit alive, we'll do. <laughs> Jump on that grenade anytime. Uh, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, any particular reason why pandas? Uh, I've got a couple brothers that have always had a thing for pandas, actually. They've uh, always been interested in them. 
So uh, pandas the animal or don't. pandas the weird male that sits at home doing <laughs> weird. Well, I've, I've never heard never of that heard definition. That <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what side of the internet you're on, but I'm on the other side. <laughs> um, no, no, just the the animal. Um, we yeah. we grew up uh, near a zoo, um, like an actual zoo. <laughs> um, so we would uh, go over there like uh, weekly and just uh, it was kind of like a town hangout. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm. I'm just mucking around. I'm, I'm making some stuff up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> do, do, do people quickly. call you names, Steph? Do we? Do we need to call to call someone to help? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, um, <laughs> if we could get homesick back on side for this, uh, I've got some other pandas that he might not want to deal with. No. <laughs> hey. Um. The application of naval naval assets. Right. So we we went into it a little bit. Um, when we were talking about the paramarine task force and, and different missions and stuff like that, um, just just out of curiosity, do you guys see whether or not like being a naval or paramarine or however that works, do you see that being valid in this time, feasible? You know, oh, the, the like like just full scale? Do you mean or? I mean, I'm just asking mm-hmm. the questions here. I just. <laughs> well, uh, being a marine slash paramarine, yeah, 100%. Um, the naval stuff is definitely unit specific. Um, if the unit were half the current size, the naval assets would have absolutely no um, place to fit in, right? And I, I think you kind of need a, a bigger unit um, to kind of handle that sort of thing. Because uh, really, you don't need a dedicated artillery vessel just sitting off the coast uh, for the entire of your operation, right? If you are a group of, you know, five to 10 to 20 guys mucking about on a private server and you're never, you know, whoever's sitting in that uh, vessel doing artillery support for 10 to 20 guys, they're going to be bored out of their mind. So I think we're kind of at the right size where it does have a purpose because they get called on quite a bit. Um, when they're not getting called on quite a bit, they still have other enemy vessels to deal with. The AI can pilot them a bit idiotically uh, from time to time, but they do put up uh, quite the fight. Uh, and there's kind of interesting weapons and interesting technologies. Um, everything is controlled with UIs. It's not so much just click and fire. There's a lot of stuff that goes into firing off a lot of these missiles, whether you want passive or active sonar, how you want to track what sort of missile track you want um, okay. and load up the torpedo tubes with different types of torpedoes, right? Um, if you're in a submarine, you can only use certain weapons from certain depths. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, so our guys have a lot of fun with it. And if we sense it's getting a little bit boring for them, uh, there will be an enemy submarine surfacing right next to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <Awesome>. mean. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, definitely, it's definitely more difficult to find the people that are really into the naval combat than it is to find the people who are into the uh, ground combat, right? So yeah, right. Yeah. There might, might might be an untapped pool of recruits there that you need to find. We'll see. Uh, you know, I've always thought it'd be a cool concept if somebody uh, took Hatham's mod and just made a unit just out of that mod. Um, hmm. I don't know how how much life uh, expectancy that would have, but it would be cool to see. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks for asking that weird question. 
(laughs) (laughs) It didn't come out right. Sorry about that. Um, That's cool. If we can go through and acknowledge some of the people that have asked questions like Homesick um, and the Is This a First Person Only Unit was from Sergeant McCullen on your YouTube channel. So uh, while That was on our YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah, I was looking at some okay. of your videos, um, and and the question was Oh, we, asked. We, to- we totally missed that one from Shermanator up there. We did. Uh, mm. I mean, maybe we can backtrack to uh, Shermanator's thing as well in a sec, um, and we'll also acknowledge Flash as well. He threw a few uh, questions in there, like um, uh, how did you, how and why did you choose the setting, the the paramarines did we get into like why or how you guys or yeah why you got into um paramarines i think we did yeah yeah awesome okay yep so yeah again thanks to to flash for that um and i m i k s u what's that i e i oh it's, it sounds weeaboo to me in mixu uh, that's uh, one of the other <laughs> one of the other people um, has has done that. So uh, yeah, I mean, thanks for all the questions that that did come in. Uh, you can um, help us uh, ask questions for different uh, interviews that are coming up if you do jump on the Radio Armor Discord. Um, cool. All right. Shall we move on with the with the other ones? Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 start wrapping this up. So let's um. So the the Armorverse at the moment. So. We had a bit of a chat about this before when you were talking about how things have sort of changed since you started. But um, what do you think the big difference uh, differences are in in um, the Armorverse now as opposed to when you guys started back in 2016? Um, so the Armor community is an interesting community, right? It's uh, got a lot of different uh, aspects to it, right? Because Arma is a sandbox game, so you have some people who are in it for the milsim stuff, some people who are in it for the life stuff, some people who are playing King of the Hill. Uh, back in 2016, it was kind of more of a, I don't know, there was either you want milsim, you want King of the Hill, you want uh, life, and they're really kind of like casual, serious, and roleplay that people want, and uh, milsim was one of the bigger portions of that. I feel like uh, now milsim has become become more of a niche uh, category mm. it, it still gets a lot of players a lot of people come to it for the milsim aspect but uh you know with the emergence of some great game modes that you can put a lot of hours into and still enjoy um a lot of people haven't yet felt the need to come over from those game modes to get into a more serious aspect of what of what you can do in arma right? and that's all personal preference um, yeah, exactly. And kind of back in 2016, um, there were definitely a lot more people involved, uh, so it was easier to get recruits. Now we kind of have to go different avenues to get recruits, and definitely our biggest recruitment tool is just word of mouth. Uh, our players tell their friends, and their friends tell their friends, and that's how we get uh, about 80% of our recruits. Um, but also, it's it's uh, a lot of units right now um, are kind of more in the shadows, and you don't see a lot of them. And uh, there's always a lot of tension between people um, in every community, and mm. that stuff's kind of sad to see. Uh, if you take, for example, this is kind of going off on a tangent, but if you take, for example, like the modding community, a lot of their mods are getting stolen, re-uploaded on Steam and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a and lot of that. Th- that's a big problem. Um, 
and so people are completely disrespecting their rights, but then they, you know, come back and fire off hundreds of shots at the people who stole it, and, uh, you know, it's a big, big argument that's good for nobody. <laughs> um, so it's kind of sad to see some of the, the tension in those environments, but hopefully that sort of stuff gets kind of wrapped up soon. I think yeah, a big, yeah. big, big part of that is on Steam, uh, the Steam themselves to kind of fix yeah, all the copyright luck. issues and things like that. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, good luck getting Valve to fix that, though. <laughs> yeah, they they have valid competitors from uh, mm. you know all these different uh, game stores now. Uh, so I'm hoping yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a capitalist, right? Thing. I'm I'm hoping that uh, that'll cause them to uh, improve their systems. But uh, I think we'll see. I think it's in, in their hands, but they don't want to touch mm. it yet. Yeah, well, that's that's been the story of Steam modding since it came out for Skyrim, I think. Hmm. Um, speaking of mods, though, um, what what are I mean, we, we've talked about Hafum and and some of the ones that you use a un, as a unit. Do you have any favorite mods that maybe you're you're not using specifically for um, paramilitary, a power uh, marine rather? I mean, so the must-haves are pretty standard, right? You got RHS, which is a beautiful mod. Um, have ace which adds a lot of different functionality that you wouldn't often have it basically adds everything that everybody's tried to script into the game and adds it as one standardized set of mods mm. um we have cup which adds some great maps we also use some of their vehicles as well those are kind of like the uh the must-haves and there's a lot of different um mods that are there just for fun too or not not for fun but uh smaller just uh, specific enhancements um I don't have our mod list up right now, but uh, the Achilles Zeus add-on is absolutely great. I know you're... Ah, uh, yeah. I probably stole Yurger's thunder saying you're that. Right, you absolutely <laughs> did. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, that's a, a beautiful mod to have um, if you're in Zeus. I mean, so much more than Ooh. you can in default armor. What, what does that one do, Yurger? Achilles is essentially everything Zeusing needed in the, the base game. Um, so you're you're taking all the functions that were technically available in some way, shape, or form in the vanilla form of Zeus, uh, and just bringing them to the surface, fleshing them out, adding in a lot of extra functionalities, um, and really just enhancing the UI from kind of a, a detached third party to a really engaged console. Yeah, so okay. just just an example of uh, one of the things that is so necessary to a Zeus, but uh, you can't do right in. In a, in a big Zeus mission, right, when players are constantly joining and leaving the mission, you'll have people who don't register in your Zeus setup, and you can't see them. Now, you can use an Ace utility from Ace to add all of them there, but that means you add the other thousands of objects around you. With Achilles, you can add just the players and have them all right there, and you can recurringly do that. Also, okay. if you're in a vanilla Zeus... You click on a vehicle that somebody's in, right? Say you want to modify something. They're getting too too close to the objective. You want to rip their fuel out. Vanilla uh, Arma doesn't allow you to do that. With Achilles, you can go and you can modify everything about their vehicle. You can change a player's own loadout while they're going. So if we, find, <laughs> oh, if we, if we told somebody, hey, you can't carry napalm grenades today, <laughs> and you're looking through some guy's backpack and find the napalm grenades, I can rip them out. Which is... <laughs> <laughs> a, oh, nice. a nice uh, dict uh, dictator style tool to have you know <laughs> can you put stuff ah, in? yeah yeah <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll hide uh, 
I think the the big joke is to see how many bananas you can fit into somebody's backpack before they notice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And uh, uh, are there any mods that you want to see coming in Armor Three, or maybe some some enhancements for Armor Four that that might help you guys out? Um, I I think really just improvements of what's currently out. Um, I'm a big modern day type of guy. You know, if modern if Arma Four went into the future, um, I I really don't think I could justify going over to it until mods like RHS and Cup and uh, mods like that that present modern day or yeah, near well, modern was, day options. That was one of the big complaints when it first came out, wasn't it? This this slightly futuristic setting doesn't really mesh with most Milsim groups, does it? Yeah, but you also got to look at it from a, a company standpoint. Um, they don't have to deal with all the licensing stuff of current modern day mm. stuff. Um, you know, it provides a, a different different types of weapons that'll get some people over from Arma 2 to Arma 3, right? Uh, but from a business standpoint, I think they did the right thing, and they know that they have the modders to close the gap between what Arma is, which is really a platform, right? And what the modders are, which is the content. And I mean, yeah, that's wrong. it. Arma has an incredible campaigns and default game modes, especially with they released Warlords. That's a hell of a lot of fun. Mm. But uh, the modders are going to be there to make up pretty much everything if you give the modders the tools. That's that's cool. Something I didn't uh, realize as well um, that that the game isn't allowed to produce uh, ac accurate uh, representations of of the rifles and call them, you know, what they actually are. But modders are allowed to do that. Um, so the, the legal stuff about that, and I'm, I'm no lawyer, but I've worked in the defense industry long enough to know there's some defense guys who will get really upset and they'll sue you, right? There's some defense guys who will not care and they'll say, well, kids are playing with my guns in the games. They're going to go join the military because they like those guns. And the military is going to buy more guns because more kids join the military, <laughs> <laughs> right? So some people or like it, some people don't. Um, but the thing is, you kind of got to... Uh, there's been a, a ton of instances in the past. Call of Duty has had, uh, been sued. Humvees, I think. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Like years back, right? So, I think... I don't know the legal standing, but uh, I know it's kind of just uh, thin ice. And uh, I, I, I guarantee that that was, in my mind, one of the reasons they probably wanted to stay away from it if they could. I think they did a good job with it. I don't think the modern mm. day stuff ruined it. The modders were really quick to start coming out with content, right? Um, so for me, Arma 3, I went and played a lot of, you know, the default uh, wasteland type stuff that uh, people put out really quickly. And uh, as soon as I was ready to say, hey, okay, I'm ready to get back into full-time Milsim again, uh, the mods were available. Cool. Okay. Um. So the 6.5 with the... Um... What's the 12 mil? Is it... Ah, the, the 12.7 on the, 12 the 50 cals? Yeah. The one so, you're thinking? Yeah, the, the, the one gun that rocks both those bullets. Is that a gun? Is that fabricated? Is that... Oh, and giggles? yeah, the, the Apex one. I'm with you. Yeah. Do you, you guys but, know that so is it, It's the, the, the Type 117 or something. It's got the underslung 50 cal. Uh, oh, yes, right. Underslung 50 Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out 
really is that it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, good. Load, load, yeah load up so. the game it's in there it's one of the one of the wacky csat weapons that the the viper squad from apex has it's so that, it's got the 50 cal on it for anti-vehicle stuff so that's that's completely fabricated i would I've assume never, so. I've, I've, I've never i've never heard of it but uh they've they've underslung different things in vietnam they underslung uh, napalm grenades right <laughs> uh, they, right. There's actually a mod out right now. I probably should have said this. But there's a I couldn't remember the name of it, um, but uh, advanced breaching or something along those lines. Or, yeah, I've seen that one. It, yeah, in the underslung launcher, you can put uh, shotgun uh, slugs and shotgun frag, and you can blast down doors with it. <laughs> cool. So there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff you can put under there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there is. Uh, so the 12.7. Uh, fabric. I, I thought I'd ask because we were kind of going down that track, and I thought it was um, weird and and made up. Because why would you need a, a six point five when you've got a, a twelve point seven um, as as well, another secondary there? So I yeah. think the logic was that you use the the six point five against infantry, and the twelve point seven is there for your your light vehicles. Cool. Just Put knocking out a tire and two shots and. Um, oh, or an engine block. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely the wrong guys to ask about that, because yeah. I have 4,000 hours on a private server, <laughs> and uh, if you ask me about a gun in RHS, sure, I can tell you every stat about it. <laughs> Some of the vanilla guns, not so much. Yep, yep. And and so what is your favorite gun that you guys use um, with, uh, with missions? Uh, for me, just the M16A4. Uh, a classic guy, I guess. Cool. Scope. What about you, Gert? I was say I'm a I'm a M4 with a ACOG and an M320 attachment on it. I mean, it's literally the better version of what I carried overseas, so there's a little nostalgia there for me. Awesome. And the sounds uh, well, are pretty similar as well from RHS. It's uh, it's pretty accurate. It, honestly, it? the thing that actually clicks the the best is the uh, sound effects on the magazine load. Right. Is it RHS or is it Cup? Oh, I can't remember. Leave the audio on that one as cup. Awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. Shout so, out to those guys. <laughs> you you uh, just have to excuse me. I've been I've been googling this gun to see if it does have a real real world thing. Apparently, it's based. So it's got no real world direct counterpart. It's the Type One One Five in game, but it's surprisingly similar to the Chinese QTS Eleven assault rifle. Just it doesn't have the the real world one doesn't have the underslung fifty cal. Cool. There you go. Well, um, yeah, anyway, there's some trivia for you. I'm a with Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So, um, before we wrap up, is there uh, any chance you want to get into one of these two questions, which is, uh, which which scares you more, having an enemy with a pistol with only two rounds, or having a friendly carrying static weapons really close? Um, I, I think with static weapons, they mean where you can carry uh, like a, a weapon like an with ace, ace and, and yeah. kind of knock people down. I killed somebody with a chair today. <laughs> in, in game, in game, in case the NSA is listening. But, uh, you know, uh, at, at, at one of our trainings, I was moving a chair and I walked right past a guy and I, I uh, Staff Sergeant Adams, I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I'll definitely say uh, me 
<laughs> with a static weapon. Yeah. <laughs> More deadly. But you, you, you can be like that, uh, like that Gurkha guy from Afghanistan a couple of years ago. Just run out of ammo and start beating people up with your static weapon. <laughs> Literally static. Yep. Awesome. And uh, the other one was, what was your longest swim in armor? Uh, it depends. I mean, in the I early see. days of the half of Navy mod, uh, if you played it in multiplayer, <laughs> one of the original bugs was that you would get kicked out of it, <laughs> and no, it would just no. keep going. So uh, quite a, quite a few long swims in that. I never uh, never clocked them, but uh, no fun. Yep. Yeah, I think I remember um, on on one of the, the cost missions, I was uh, getting flown over water, and for some reason he flicked the kickle button out, and uh, two <laughs> of us dropped out. Um, and I, I think it was a good fifteen minutes or something, just just paddling my little arms, uh, rocking over to to get back onto the the main island. Uh, yeah. So, so not fun. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, uh, that's cheat. part of the game. Unfortunately, I, I, I probably got about an hour and a half, but that was a, a full mission in scuba gear, so I don't think that counts. <laughs> scuba, gear, scuba gear is awesome. Yeah, you get a lot faster in that. Do you guys well, use the, the scuba gear much in your stuff? Uh, a little bit. We're trying to get more into it, uh, especially as we have a submarine um, now. And oh, yeah, the, nice. you can actually have the SDVs, which is a sealed delivery vehicle, right? Hmm. Um, they actually uh, attach on to the top of the submarines. Oh, awesome! Which is the way they're used in real life, and they're they're in with the half of Navy mod now, and you can actually do that. That's pretty oh, that's cool, cool to be able to deploy through the submarine into an SDV and then take off from the submarine. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, 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 do you guys uh, do you guys have any YouTube uh, channels where you show that sort of stuff off? Just just so I can you know subscribe we, and watch when you eventually do it. Yeah, um, our YouTube channel is just uh, well, search Paramount Task Force on YouTube, and I hope we're the first result. <laughs> um, but definitely check us out there. Uh, we haven't put any of the naval stuff up yet, but we are compiling some videos of that stuff. Video stuff kind of goes in uh, in waves. We collect a lot of uh, footage, yeah. and then we, we go back and we start editing and post it up. So we haven't had much uh, recently, but... Ah, um, uh, yep, sweet. Steph, we're editing some right now. Tossed me a link, so that'll go in the that'll go in the description, no doubt. Yeah, sounds good. Excellent. Cool. You guys got a Twitter and Facebook as well? Uh, we don't do too much Facebook. Um, Facebook... Is... Wise. Yeah, I think more personal um, for people, right? And uh, Twitter is where they're more outwards. So for me, Facebook is for family and friends, and Twitter is for gaming. Uh, but we do have a fairly active Twitter account. If you tweet at us, I'll definitely tweet back, but uh, twitter.com slash paramarines. Yeah, cool. Awesome. awesome. Discord. Uh, we do have a Discord, yeah, I'll give you the uh, link, but I don't envy anybody listening to me recite a bunch of random uh, <laughs> <laughs> letters off the podcast. No, fair hmm. enough. And um, is there a website as well? Yep, paramarinetaskforce.com. Awesome. I currently hate our website. I know I was saying it to you before the uh, podcast, uh, but I am working on making a new one. <laughs> so I'll hopefully have the new Wait. one out fairly soon. 
Should uh, people head to your Facebook if they're interested in uh, filling out the, the open book quiz and joining? <laughs> well, um, they are definitely welcome to head to the website and they should find all the information regarding joining there. Um, otherwise, they can join the TeamSpeak, because we're old school, uh, to ts dot com. Well, you, you kind of have to be on TeamSpeak for armor. Oh, yeah, moment. still don't yeah. you? Like, I don't think any of the radio mods have actually moved to Discord yet, have they? Yeah, uh, we talked about this with uh, Deadman, who's the one of the main developers of Task Force Radio, and there's really not a good way for Discord to handle it. There's no Discord API, right? They have bots, but they mm. really don't have a fully fledged voice API. Um, I don't know. Discord just doesn't have the same feel for me as Teamspeak. And Teamspeak, you can have all the channels. We have all our information posted in all the channels. And uh, you know, the best you can do in Discord is pin some messages. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you there. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that just moves us to Steph's favorite question then. Absolutely. Uh, what is your Armagasm moment? Uh, your favorite one, hopefully, or um, has there been a favorite uh, event as a unit? I'll, uh, I'll hop on this one. For me, that was back in my uh, team lead days doing an operation in which we did a halo jump into a river channel with scuba gear on uh, and then did a underwater insertion up past enemy lines to conduct a recon. Uh, and this was at a time when we were doing two operations a weekend with uh, two separate detachments. Uh, and so the detachment I was a part of was doing this whole insertion and reconnaissance in order to provide target data for the operation that the other detachment would be running the next day. Um, it was just a, a level of cool that uh, I don't think you, you get to see every time you log on. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So it was... Yeah. You good? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to ask. So that was that was actually like actual recon that you were doing, and pass that on to the next mission. And they like, if you guys failed, they would have had to go in like blind or something. Or uh, effectively, it was a, a hard target on an island off the northern coast. Um, so we were just trying to get behind enemy lines, do recon on the uh, the mainland, and then trying to get eyes on kind of the beach areas for the main coast. Um, and the the recon was pulling out you know, both defensive positions and tank you know tank depots and pretty much everything else you could possibly hope to find. Oh man! Um, where you know you would have just been driving straight into a meat grinder otherwise. The yeah, for... Bornholm, I believe. Ah, uh, yep. For me, nice. uh, we had an event last year. Uh, we did a twenty-four hour parody live stream of one 24-hour mission round the clock oh. if you donate um if you donate and say kill this person they got zapped with a lightning bolt and they had to go through, <laughs> go through the mission <laughs> like that right um so we did this whole charity and i don't remember the exact number but it was for a hospital that i lived right next to um up in, oh, upstate, up, up in upstate New York at the time, a, a children's hospital, and I actually spoken to them. They said uh, they were really low on funds. They just they were trying to push out to build these new uh, these new rooms at the children's hospital because they just didn't have capacity. And uh, I said, well, you know, got to find some way to help them out. And we did this event, and we ended up raising over two thousand uh, dollars towards this children's <laughs> hospital uh, over a twenty-four hour live stream, and we had. We had players coming in and 
donating. We had people from other units coming in and donating. We had the parents of some of our younger players coming in and donating. Um, and it all went into Extra Life Campaign, um, which is a, a pretty well-known gaming charity uh, handler. And they handled everything for us and got all the money to the right people. And uh, we're just really happy to see it. That's, oh, man, that's to, awesome. To be, able, to be able to make a difference uh, by shooting AI in a game. <laughs> yeah. So how, how how often did you get struck by lightning in that? Oh, I think after uh, two thousand plus dollars, quite a bit. <laughs> I was the one dishing out the lightning, though. So oh, nice, <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it, it was a really great thing to see, and uh, stuff mm -hmm. like that has done a few times in the armor community, and we're just happy to be one of the ones that did it. Oh, that's that's really cool. That's 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 a good heartwarming. Note to end it on, I guess, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, nothing better. Yeah. Oh, look, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you coming on, um, sharing the stories, bouncing with us through the conversations. Um, is there anything else you want to wrap up with? Any shout-outs? No, I, I think we covered everything. I mean, if uh, we sound like the right type of unit for somebody listening, then they're definitely welcome to join. But uh, I definitely encourage finding the unit that's right for you. Uh, <laughs> not only is it better for you it saves me time too <laughs> awesome yep and and we hope that we can do that as well by presenting units and, and if someone thinks that that's a piece of them um they can go ahead and join so yeah no that's cool and and yuga how did you get that name yuga <laughs> is that my name that the, oh is that a last name yeah oh yeah yeah, okay. We we all we all go by last names in uh in the PTF. Whether they're made up or real, that's up to the person. But cool. Okay. Yeah. No. I um I thought that was you know another gaming name. <laughs> ah, there you go. How about that? All right. No, that's cool. Um. Uh, any any other shoutouts or um? Can you can you warn people off from joining if it's too hard or? Uh, I mean, definitely don't join if you're only going to play every three months. But uh, I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, you know everybody that's currently in the PTF and has helped me uh, make it from what it was in 2016 to what it is now. Um, just a couple uh, really great names. We have uh, Major Nelly, Captain Clark, uh, Lieutenant Commander Williams, my three detachment leaders. And uh, I definitely couldn't have built this unit up to what it was without them and other people like them. So, uh, you know, I, I just want to put that out there, and I, I really appreciate all the support I've gotten from everybody because I definitely haven't been able to be there 24-7 uh, for the past uh, three years. It, uh, it's good to have people that can fill in the gaps when I'm not able. Perfect. Well put. <laughs>